Welcome to Southern California Live, everyone. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host for Hour 2 here on our great program here throughout all of the Southland, all of the L.A. area and San Diego area and beyond. If you're listening online, we welcome you wherever you are across the globe, which is possible today. It's good to see you or be with you or see you. Maybe I'm looking at you and you don't know. We live in creepy times. I don't even know what that means. I've had uh, maybe a little bit. (laughs) We live in creepy times. That can be the uh, new slogan for our show. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am glad to be with you and uh, just want to have a little laugh. And our phone call, our phone number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And uh, it's great to be with you today. I hope that you're having a fantastic Monday afternoon. Uh, It's the first Monday that we've had in a while. It seems to me, you know, last week a lot of people, last week was Monday, but it was the third and lots of people had it off. And uh, before that, Christmas vacations and Mondays have been different for a while, but we're back. We're back to regular Mondays uh, and it's definitely uh, a Monday uh, in many ways. So really glad that you are are with us here. Story uh, came out uh, in the news this weekend about uh, a Houston mother was charged by, uh, this is from KTLA, a Houston mother was charged by authorities who alleged that she placed her 13-year-old son in the trunk of her car in an attempt to isolate him after he tested positive for COVID-19. And then she took him to a drive through testing site to get him tested. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. It shouldn't be funny, but you put your 13-year-old in the trunk uh, because uh, you don't want to get COVID. And I thought to my first thing I thought was, well, how old is this person? And the article says, well, she's 41, 41 years old. She's charged with endangering a child. And the reason I thought about the age of this person, I thought, you know, if that person is my age or a little older, uh, I could see why they'd put him in the trunk because we might have wanted to go in the trunk and we're allowed to do that when we were kids. I mean, did you do that? The, the rules are so different. And it's just shocking today when you think about what we did as kids. She's charged with endangering a child. She's a teacher in a school. Uh, she's on administrative leave. But apparently she's so frightened about getting COVID-19 even from her kid that she uh, tossed him in the trunk and uh, drove to the testing site. Um, and I, it doesn't say, the article doesn't say exactly what happened there. Like, how did they know he was in the, did she just pop the trunk? You know, or did they hear him in the trunk? You know, if you're that, you know, you're wrapped up in all that PPE and you got your needle ready. And she's like, no, it's the test isn't for me. It's for the one in the trunk. Okay. Uh, that's how that went. Uh, are we that afraid I guess we are. I guess in so many ways we are. I hope that you're not. I'm hoping that as the news maybe is indicating, although there's some concern about uh, uh, another variant coming out, which is a combination of Delta and Omicron. It's called Deltacron. It's like the uh, the bad third sequel to uh, some movie that's just there to make some money, I guess. I don't know. But um, I think that there's an awful lot of fear and there's growing anger. We've seen this anger. Uh, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557, Southern California Live. That's the phone number. I want to encourage you to put that in your phone. So whenever you're listening, you're like, ah, I got a story to tell, or I want to chime in, you just have the number. You don't have to even wait for me to say it, 888-528-2557. When I was a kid, my parents had a uh, Ford Gran Torino station wagon. Have you ever seen one of those? Uh, if you've seen, uh, the Queen Mary, you've probably seen one of those. It's about that big. And what we used to do 
for a long time growing up. I don't remember when the when the seatbelt law became a thing, but you could lay down all the seats. So it had a, a regular back seat, and then it had um, seats in the back. I want to say maybe an extra row. I'm not sure, but you could lay them all down so it would be flat, and it was this material back there that was very smooth. It was metallic of some kind, and it was made so that you could load this uh, Grand Torino full of something if you wanted to uh, you know, haul stuff away. Uh, you could put, you know, an, an entire, uh, extra room in your house back there, probably all the lumber for that. And what would happen is we would drive down the street and we would lay down all those seats and we would sit back there as little kids. And there'd be a bunch of us back there, you know, like 17 of us in the back of this Grand Torino. And I know some of you have had this experience and you could slide back and forth whenever the car would turn right and left, you would slide to the left or slide to the right. You'd come to a red light and everyone would slide to the front and pile on each other and you'd hit the gas and everyone would slide to the back and hit the back of the, the car. Uh, those days are over, aren't they? That's, uh, that's never, <laughs> never going to happen. And I look back and I go, wow, we, that's just amazing that we did that. That would, it's for some of you, if you're younger, especially you're just maybe horrified by that. Uh, on the other hand, the Grand Torino was a tank, you know, so if we hit something, we may not have even noticed it. Um, they don't make them like that anymore. You know, as we talk about different things, uh, something else in our country, I think that we need to deal with them. Even as a, as a church, we need to talk about anger. Are you an angry, an angry person? Um, I think for, for believers, anger is one of those things that um, it happens all the time and we see it, but we don't deal with it very often. Uh, and we need to. The Bible actually has a lot to say about anger. I dropped my kids off at school the other day, and I got in the left-hand turn lane to to make a turn. And I was behind a bus, and there was one car in front of the bus, as far as I could tell. And I'm sitting behind uh, this uh, this bus. Uh, it was a city bus, not a, not a charter bus, just a regular regular city bus. Um, and do you ever ride the city bus, charter bus? There's a, there's differences in the experience of riding on a charter bus versus a city bus. Uh, maybe the, one of the biggest differences is it's very difficult to get people on a city bus to start singing 100 Bottles of Beer in the Wall. Very hard to get that song going. Uh, I have tried. Um, I'm behind this bus, and I was trying to get my day together. I dropped my kids off in the morning, and I was thinking about this show, and I had a moment I'm scrolling through my phone there. I don't pick it up while I'm driving, but I did it at the red light. And I'm noticing as uh, I'm doing some reading that we haven't moved in a while. And I look up and I thought, well, I wonder what happened. It seems like uh, the light hasn't changed in a long time. The next thing I know, I start to see the bus kind of move. Now we're on a little incline. I'm behind it. The bus is headed down the incline at this, in this left-hand turn lane. And I start to see the bus start to shake, actually. And I thought, are we having an earthquake? What's happening? And I was watching the uh, brake lights come off and on and the bus kind of start to shake a little bit. And I realized, you know what, something's going on with this bus. And I think the driver's upset because the light's not changing. And sure enough, the light didn't change. So we go through a whole cycle of lights again and it doesn't change. So the car in front of the bus this time just runs the light, just takes off like you would probably. I think it was probably by now two or three cycles of the light. And the bus he revs up really hard and goes, and then he hits the brakes really hard, and I see the bus jump. And I'm thinking now to myself, are there people on this bus? 
you know, often there's not, which is a whole other issue. But are there? Is there anybody on there? If there are, you're having quite the ride. Because and so he starts pumping the brake, and I think what he's trying to do is trigger the light or something. You know, with the the stuff in the ground that might trigger the light, and it's not working. And he's he's I'm giving him some space now, so he's pulling up, backing up, pulling up, backing up, and he just can't get that light to change. And sure enough, we go through two more cycles of the light, and it just doesn't change. I don't know why. I haven't seen that happen before. Well, now the rest of us are bailing out of the lane. We know it's not going to work. And I finally pull out and I drive away. And I thought, he probably can't go through the light. I bet it's not legal for him in his job. He could lose his job maybe if he runs that light. Uh, I don't know what the situation was. But he was clearly, uh, and he had a reason to be upset. Sometimes we get mad because there's a reason to be upset about something. And he's probably behind on a schedule and that happens. And sometimes uh, we don't have a real good reason. Um, I had to break up a fight uh, that was going on before church yesterday. Uh, not church members, and we were not having a church meeting. These were uh, just some people who wandered onto the campus early. And I thought, I'm going to get in a fist fight. I'm going to come into the pulpit all bloody. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have to use that line. You know, you should have seen the other guy. It didn't happen, but there was tremendous arguing between these two people, and they're pounding the glass in the church, and they're, they don't go there. And uh, we had some people try to pray with them, invited them to church, and they just had a lot going on. How are you doing with anger? Is this something that we just ignore or is it something that we really can deal with? I thought maybe I would just talk to you about this a little bit and get your insight on anger and how we can maybe get past it. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Is this a struggle for you? What has worked for you? Uh, if you have struggled with uh, your anger, there are good things to be angry about, um, but even the way we express it, uh, it matters tremendously. How you doing? 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the phone number if you want to join our, our conversation here. Bible actually has a lot to say about anger, and maybe it's something that's a little bit different than you think. There are many of people out there who tell you that what you really need to do is is vent your anger. And I talk about this because there are great things to be angry about in our culture, and we're still having lots of conversation about in the news today about what happened on January 6th a year ago and a lot of what happened during the uh, the riots that were uh, prevalent during the summer of 2020. And there's so much anger out there and anger that leads to domestic violence and anger that leads to um, us being unable to get along as a society. You know what's interesting? Dr. Redford Williams in the Department of Psychiatry at Duke University Medical Center, he said this, according to ABC News, he said, when you are venting your anger, things are happening inside your body that are taking hours, days, and years off of your life. He explained, the research is unequivocal about this. It shows that people who vent or get angry a lot are more likely to die by age 50. Let me ask you this. Does this actually... Uh, does this actually, do you agree with this? Is this something that you have thought, or does this go against what you've always thought? Have you been taught you should just vent your anger? You know what I think is interesting about this is that the book of Proverbs, Proverbs twenty nine eleven, it actually says this 3,000 years ago. Somebody said, a fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. How are you doing with that? In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon prays for wisdom to know right from wrong. He had the law of God. He didn't, you know, he had the law of God. He didn't he know right from wrong? But he prays for wisdom. 
Wisdom is something that is so important that we have. And when we talk about politics, we talk about schools like the, the last hour. We talk about marriage, the things in our life. We talk about education. Wisdom is one of the most important things there, are, there is. One person defined wisdom this way. Is wisdom is competence with regard to the realities and the complexities of life. That sometimes wisdom that we need to have in life with the issues that we have are, is something that is not necessarily written out that we need to be wise. According to the Bible, if you are going to have a wise life and a discerning heart, we have to understand anger. Proverbs twelve sixteen: a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Are you able to overlook an insult? Uh, that's kind of hard to do sometimes. Um, you just kind of have to smile at people and, uh, you know, but are you able to do that? A fool shows his annoyance at once. I think that's something that we struggle with, right? One of the the issues we have in our culture today is that we are immediately offended. And there's something that we have to get past with that. As Christians, we have to get past that. We get offended so quickly. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Somebody who is prudent is somebody who is able to focus on the bigger issues at hand and make things really go on. Proverbs fourteen seventeen: a quick-tempered man does foolish things, and a crafty man uh, is hated. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine: a patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. Fourteen thirty: a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Proverbs fifteen one: a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I think that one's a big one. I quoted that in the last uh, session, last hour. I was dealing with a couple one time, and uh, they were just having trouble getting along, and they gave me this example. They said they were riding in the car, and uh, she had her window down, and she said, I'm feeling kind of cold. And he looked at her, and he said, well, roll the window up, idiot. And then she rolled up the window, and then he said, so, honey, how was your day? Uh, She didn't want to talk to him at that point. And he was kind of con, you know, confused about this. He's like, well, you, you, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, this happens. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. How are you doing with these things? Anger can be something that's explosive. One person called it the dynamite of the soul. It destroys your body. Robbers 14.30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones or or. Uh, the NASB says your passions, it just rots those things. Anger is worse for your body than sorrow. It's worse than extreme physical exertion. It's worse than stress. It sets you up for having health problems that are pretty significant. And it destroys community. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 15.18, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. When we throw our words around like, like weapons, we wound people. We wound relationships. In your marriage, the things that you say, they matter greatly. Men, we use our words like mallets sometimes. We're just able to say, uh, you know, I know a guy who said to his wife, you are the worst cook I've ever known. That's what he said to his wife. And now for every meal she makes the rest of her life, she's going to think about that comment. He used his words like a mallet. Ladies, you use your words with your husbands like scalpels. 
you call him an idiot, call him dumb or call him whatever. And he kind of laughs it off at first. And you just take a little slice off of him though. But after, you know, 10, 15 years of that, he's going to be very distant, very far away because he's just been carved into enough, but he hasn't felt it. The nerve endings are kind of gone and it's just there. So what do we do about these things? You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host today. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. And I'm talking about anger because as I look at our, our society today, and in fact, even when I look at the church, when I look at statements that people make on the Twitter machine and they make on their Facebook and other stuff, there's a lot of really harsh stuff coming out of Christians' mouths or Christians' fingers as they type. Sometimes I'm reading stuff online and I I hesitate for a moment to go to their profile because I'm watching somebody call somebody names, call somebody out, call somebody a whole bunch of terrible things, say a bunch of foul things, and then you go to their profile and it says, uh, lover of Jesus, churchgoer, husband, father, you know, all that stuff. And you go, oh, we can't do that. That's such a hard thing to do. It brings destruction on ourselves and brings destruction on our, on our churches. But at the same time, anger can be a good thing. And we tend to talk about it in such a way that, you know, anger is something that destroys, and it does, but it also can be a good thing. Proverbs 16, 32, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, uh, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. There is something about being patient that helps you actually win the argument. You can be angry, but patient. See, the Bible doesn't teach to not be angry. Uh, It teaches to get angry slow. It's a sin, in fact, to never get angry, but a sin to get angry very quickly. Uh, Ephesians 4, 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Be angry, but sin not. John Chrysostom, he said, he who is not angry, whereas he has cause to be, sins. For unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. It fosters negligence and incites not only the wicked, but the good to do wrong. If you want to think about anger, slow to anger, being slow to anger is a mark of a wise person. It's something to pray about for yourself, and it's also an attribute of God. Exodus 34, God tells Moses, I am the Lord, slow to anger. And that's something that is about God that is his glory, that he does get angry, but he slows. He's slow to get angry. And some will say, I believe in a God of love, not a God who gets angry. But you can't have a God of love who doesn't get angry. A God who is indifferent to suffering and injustice and wrongdoing is not a loving God. True love is love that is moved to deal with a threat. That's why you love. That's a part of love. If something you really love is threatened, you're going to get angry. Okay, that really matters. So when we talk about anger, we can't just look at something and go, gosh, anger is wrong. Why do you get wrong? Why are you so upset about things? Sometimes there's reason to get upset. Uh, When God is angry, it's because he's angry at the sin that hurts us. The money changers in the temple, why is he doing that? It's hurting the church and it's hurting the mission. Jesus gets angry mostly at religious people in the New Testament. Why? because they're harming the gospel. And Jesus gets very angry because he's a man of love. The Bible has a very unique approach to anger. It's not about letting it out or keeping it in. It's about focusing it in the right place and acting in a particular way. If anger is so great, why does it 
uh, go wrong sometimes because we're fallen. Let me ask you this question. What are you angry about? Are there things that make you angry or are you just not paying attention? And if you're angry, are you able to focus it in the right place? Are you able to focus it on the things that really matter? Or are you struggling with it? Hey, if you're struggling with it, this is a good thing to deal with, your anger. This is something that's important. As we think about the issues of our day and we read the news and we take a look at how we as Christians respond, we really have to talk about this. We really have to look at how we are angry and whether or not we're angry at the right things, if we're angry at the same things that Jesus is about, angry about. Anyway, just something I thought I would share with you as we begin this period of time, uh, as we take a look at this, and uh, we can get, you know, and I don't know about you, but there are things that are going on that get me pretty upset. But I work really hard to try to contain my anger and get something done. Sometimes Jesus, he gets so angry that what he does is he heals somebody. We can be healing with our anger. We can come out and we can say, uh, make things restorative with our anger. There are ways to do that. So thoughts about anger today. The number is 888-LA-TALKS. If you want to join our program, 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host. Thanks for listening in this section here, and we'll be back here in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow here with you. It's great to be with you on this Monday afternoon. I hope that you are having a fantastic afternoon, whatever's going on. In fact, if you're just in your car and you're looking at red lights and you're trying to get home, hey, I'm glad that I can be with you. And hopefully we're going to have a good time together for the next uh, just about a half an hour or so left of our program. You can call me uh, at 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And uh, join the conversation as we have it here. Looking at uh, the news and one of the headlines today is that a uh, a man received a heart from a genetically altered pig. It's a first <laughs> it's a first heart transplant uh, from a pig into a human patient. I don't I don't know if that's interesting. I just thought I would bring that up. That's like the big story of uh, of the moment. Uh, it's amazing what kinds of things that we can accomplish. Somebody was the first to bring that up. I think about these kinds of things sometimes. Like somebody's in a meeting somewhere or they're sitting on their couch flipping through channels or something. Some scientist somewhere, some doctor. I wonder if we could put a pig's heart into a guy. And I wonder if we can genetically alter it. And he brings that up in a meeting and people don't tell him he's an idiot. They say that's a good idea and they move forward. Uh, That's happening uh, out there. Uh. People are saying, according to Atlantic Magazine, that uh, they are vaxxed and done. Are you done? Are you, are you getting boosted? How many booster shots are you going to get if you are vaccinated? I know some of you aren't vaccinated, but if you are vaccinated, uh, have you, are you going to get the booster? Or are you getting the fourth booster or fifth? Uh, why more Americans are saying they're vaxxed and done, according to uh, the Atlantic and uh, I don't know if people are, are done necessarily. I think people are just wondering, you know, with all these variants coming out and, uh, you know, at first you said, uh, I'm not going to get sick at all. Now I'm getting sick. Um, is it working? I think there's definitely some communication that uh, has not gone well from uh, our people at the uh, CDC. Uh, and uh, we need them to do better with that. We really, really do. Uh, some other things that happened this weekend. Uh, we lost uh, Sidney Poitier, great actor, 
I think that happened on Friday. We're talking about anger in the first section, and he has a great quote on anger and how he deals with it. He said, I, I've learned that I must find positive outlets for anger or it will destroy me. There is a certain anger. It reaches such intensity that to express it fully would require homicidal rage, self-destructive, destroy-the-world rage, and its flame burns because the world is so unjust. I have to try to find a way to channel that anger into the positive, and the highest positive is forgiveness. That's a great line there from uh, Sidney Poitier, uh, who passed away this past weekend. Uh, great actor. If you want to watch a you know a movie to put on your list, if you haven't seen some of his movies, uh, In the Heat of the Night, it's a great, great movie. Uh, great movie to watch. Uh, I think he was 94. That's how old he was. Um, Bob Saget passed away. He was the original host of America's Funniest Home Videos, uh, that program, which was the YouTube of the day. You didn't have YouTube. You just, if you wanted to watch, you know, you know, people fall down on themselves and get injured, you would tune in every Sunday night at 8 o'clock for America's Funniest Home Videos, and Bob Saget was the host, and uh, he would tell stupid jokes with the video, and it was super entertaining. It was the number one show uh, in the United States for uh, a long time. Um, Anyway, he passed away suddenly. Nobody knows for sure why. He was only 65, only 65 years old. Uh, So a sad story there, uh, whatever happened to him. I uh, hope that he knew the Lord. I don't know. I have no idea uh, what his faith might have been like. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you want to give a call to the program, you can also email the program at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. So we have an email if you're unable to call uh, or if you wanted to send me something or you've got some uh, idea to share or maybe you're listening on the podcast because you can get this on the podcast, just go to KKLA.com or kpz.com, go find the Southern California Live show page, and the podcast is right there. So I know that some of you are listening on the podcast, and you're thinking, ah, I really want to call in. Well, send me an email, SoCalLive at kkla.com, and uh, maybe we'll uh, use it on a a future show. Uh, If it's something that is useful, maybe we'll get back to you, or maybe we won't. I don't know how it's going to work, but uh, (laughs) we'll get back to you uh, on there. Uh, SoCalLive at kkla.com. Com. All right, I was talking about uh, anger. How are you doing with your anger? Is this something that uh, you struggle with at all? Or maybe it's something that uh, you just don't ever get anger. There's just nothing that uh, motivates you uh, to get upset. Well, sometimes anger can go wrong. Proverbs 24, 28, and 29. Do not testify against your neighbor without cause or use your lips to deceive. Do not say, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I'll pay that man back for what I did. This is anger that's not right, right? This is anger that is not in the right place. And we are so quick sometimes to to get revenge. Are you like that? Do you want to get revenge on people? Or do you testify against your neighbor without cause? I think one of the things that's going on in all levels of our society is that we do that. And another word for it is slander or gossip. Uh, and we do that. Proverbs tells us that a gossip separates close friends. I don't know if you've noticed that, but if you're somebody who gossips a lot, you struggle with it, you will notice eventually that you're going to lose friendships because eventually people don't trust you with it. People don't trust you with their their deeper level of communication because they're afraid you might share it. One of the greatest things is, and it's hard to get there, it's hard to have the kind of friends that are so close to us that we can tell them our deepest secrets without fear of losing the friendship. 
without fear of losing the relationship or damaging it somehow. We all need friends like that. You know, it, it begins with Christ. If you're a believer, you can share with Christ that way. He knows everything anyway about you. Did you know that? You don't have to be afraid to tell Jesus anything in your prayers because he knows every single thing there is to know about you already. What he's thinking to himself is, uh, why haven't you told me that yet? And, uh, you know, as a parent, my kids do this to me all the time. You know, I already know the answer. So I'm asking them because I want to see if they're going to be honest with me about stuff. Uh, but I often already know the answer uh, to whatever it is that they're doing. That's the way God is with us. We can do that. Uh, talk about anger because I think it's something that we just need to take a moment and and think about. Uh, when we have, when we get angry, sometimes we get angry about causes that don't really matter that much. Many of our churches are in crisis. Is your church in crisis? Most of the time, an interesting thing about churches in crisis is that it's often a internal matter that the church is the reason the church is in crisis, not usually an external matter. An interesting thing is that whenever the government comes after our church, whenever we have some sort of situation where maybe the city's not given us a, a permit for somewhere and we suspect that it's because we're a church and somebody put it on the bottom of the pile, uh, one church I know about in Northern California, uh, the city was really going after them and not giving them a permit for something they wanted to build and they knew about it, but it unified that church. Uh, it brought everybody to a place of, hey, uh, it's it's interesting how God uses that kind of, uh, I would hesitate to call it persecution because uh, I think it's pretty harsh. Um, but, uh, you know, a little bit harder to say persecution when in other parts of the world people are dying for their faith and your church is just not getting a building permit. You know, maybe persecution is not the right word um, to say. But churches often get mad about internal matters. I know a church that split because they argued about whether or not the clock that was in the sanctuary should be digital or analog. And people chose sides. Uh, One church got angry about the carpet's choice. They couldn't agree with whether the carpet should be a blue shade or a red shade. Sounds like it was a political argument, but it wasn't. It was just different people of different opinion. And the way they compromised was they did half the sanctuary in blue and half the sanctuary in red, and it divided right down the middle aisle. And no joke, the first Sunday, the red people sat in the red side and the blue people sat in the blue side. And you, you know, that church wonders why people don't come to Christ in that church. It took them a long time to figure that out. I was working with a church that was struggling with communion because they were arguing about the flavor of the, the grape juice uh, that they used in that tradition. Seriously, they're having an argument about whether Juicy Juice or Welch's is the right grape juice to have. And people are getting really upset about how it tasted, how long it lasted in the fridge, all of those kinds of things. And then they would argue about what time of the service to have it, how often to have it, all these different things. And uh, finally, the pastor told me and said that they resolved the issue. And I said, great, I'm so glad that you've resolved this issue. Uh, What'd you do? And he said, no joke, this is what he said. He said, we resolved it because we decided we're just not going to have communion at all. Not really, not really the right response there, but they couldn't work it out. Sometimes, see, when churches are in crisis, if your church is in crisis, I'll bet it's something internal most of the time. We have to be mad about the right things and in the right proportion. When we get mad, you know, we can't go ballistic and shoot cannonballs when maybe we should be shooting BBs. And sometimes we get upset and we just don't have the right goal. You can be healed with your anger. 888-LA-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557, if you've got uh, some comments you want to make. 
Uh, sometimes you just have to admit if you struggle with anger, or maybe you know somebody who struggles with anger. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's somebody you live with. Maybe it's a kid. Kids are struggling with this so much these days. How do you get healing? You might have to get some help. There are some people who can really help sort of talk you through some things. But one of the things you have to do first is just say, yep, I got some anger issues. Uh, It's the key to being angry well uh, and to be smart. You got to know you're angry. If you won't admit it, then when somebody wrongs you, you're going to go after them. And then you say you deserve anger um, and you're going to be a mess. If you can't admit that it's a problem, then you destroy the ability later to reconcile. And then you got to look at it. Proverbs 24, 29. Do not say, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I'll pay that man back for what he did. You know what that is? That's self-talk. A lot of our anger is in our head. Do you have angry conversations with people that uh, aren't real conversations, but you're just frustrated with somebody or for some reason you imagine yourself saying things in your head to somebody, you imagine conversations, which usually you win. You win the argument, right, in that imaginary conversation. You know, if you're, if you're doing that, there's a bit of forgiveness. There's something that you need to, to do. If you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I'm angry at anybody, well, who are you having imaginary conversations with? Uh, that's the person most of the time that you need to go talk to. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 25.21, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. This is the biggest way scripturally that we deal with anger is we serve other people. Like the Sidney Poitier quote, we find a way to find forgiveness. We find a way to do something positive with with it. Romans 12.20 says the same thing. On the contrary, Paul says, if, you, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Can we do this? Is this something that we can do with our anger, to overcome evil with good in this evil time, this crazy time. Last hour, I called it a creepy time that we live in. I think that we can do this. We got to love our enemies, like for real, and push through our anger with different things and to do something positive with it. This is Southern California Live. The number is is uh, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Southern California Live. This is your guest host, Scott Furrow, and it's great to be with you today. That song, Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin, that came out when I was in uh, high school back in the day, and it makes me laugh because uh, I made a mixtape for somebody with that song on it, and only that song on it, repeated over and over and over again on both sides. If you remember what a mixtape was, if you're that age, uh, do you even do that? I guess you could do like a Spotify playlist. Would that be a mixtape today? Uh, on one of these, uh, I guess that's you could do that. Oh, I think I'm going to figure out where that person is and uh, create the same thing uh, in a digital form. Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy, uh, 300 times in a playlist. It'll drive you crazy. Uh, great song, though, actually. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, that song. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We just have a few more minutes here. And uh, I've been talking about various things, but I thought uh, it would be good to take a little break, talk about uh, some anger uh, that is out there, because uh, I think as the church, as Christians, there's so much to be angry about. And we've been talking about it with the January 6th stuff. We talk about it 
It always brings in uh, the riots of the previous summer and other things. And we're angry about schools, and we're angry about the coronavirus restrictions. We're angry about others who uh, agree or don't agree with the restrictions. We get mad at each other. When I go into some of these news sites, I'm amazed at how many stories there are today about whether or not we're headed towards civil war. And are we really at this place where we're going to start shooting each other? Uh, I hope not. I hope that we're not there. There are better ways to approach things. And I think that we do have an opportunity right now, as we talked about in the last hour, especially with education, we have an opportunity to change things. Martin Luther King's birthday is on Monday. It's a great day off. I'm planning to take it as a day off. It's great that we have a holiday there, but uh, I don't want you to miss that. I think every holiday we have, when we have it off, I like to try to point out something about that holiday. We'll talk about that a little bit more later this week. Um, But on this subject, there's a great quote from Martin Luther King Jr. There's reasons why we have this holiday. Uh, And we don't have holidays for really very many people, very many individuals. Uh, We have President's Day, uh, which I think is actually on George Washington's birthday or the week of it. Um, Remember, we used to have George Washington's birthday and Abraham Lincoln's birthday off. We had two three-day weekends in a row. Uh, and then at some point they combined them. It's not when that, I think when Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday became a federal holiday, I think they took away Columbus Day as a federal holiday. So it was the same number of holidays for the year. Uh, business reasons why you do that. Um, so three-day weekend, you know, we should think about what that is. A great quote for Martin Luther King Jr. He said uh, this. He said, while abhorring segregation, we shall love the segregationist. This is the only way to create the beloved community. To our most bitter opponents, we say, we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. We cannot, in all good conscience, obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. Throw us in jail, and we shall still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and we shall still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence in our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead, and we shall still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves. We shall so appeal to your heart and your conscience that we shall win you in the process, and our victory will be a double victory. That's a hard statement, isn't it? I think that's hard to understand. I think that's hard for lots of people disagree with him on that. People during his day disagreed with him. People today disagree with him. And yet, I'll tell you that one of the reasons that we celebrate him is because he was right and because when people did that, they won the day. There are ways to deal with your anger in ways that are wisdom that will not only win the argument or win the day, but win over the other person. That's part of what is the, what it means to be a Christian. It's part of what Jesus is calling us to do. It's the strange thing that was unheard of in the day, that we are to love our enemy. You know, pray for those who persecute you. People in Jesus's day thought that was crazy. You might be listening thinking, that's crazy to do that. But I think it's something that we've lost. Obviously, Martin Luther King, when he was sharing those things, he's talking about real things that are happening, 
real things that were happening in black communities, your hooded perpetrators of violence in our community. Yeah, a bunch of guys in sheets with the stupid things coming in there and doing terrible things. And yet it wins the day. It's the right argument. It's something for us to think about. Jesus would talk about this in the Sermon on the Mount when he would talk about turning the other cheek. That's what it means. It's not don't don't defend yourself. It's not what that means. Sermon on the Mount, he says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. They seem like contradictory ideas. They seem like that doesn't sound uh, like the same God in the New Testament as the Old Testament. But if you've ever studied that passage, then you understand if you look really, really closely at it, there are certain things going on here. Notice it says, turn, if somebody hits you on the right cheek. Uh, It's a description of hitting in a certain way. Uh, You wouldn't hit somebody with the left hand probably because it was unclean in those cultures to use your left hand. So you'd hit somebody with your right hand. If you're going to hit somebody with your right hand uh, on the right cheek, on their right cheek, how do you have to do that? You don't do it with a fist. You have to do it with the back of your hand. It's a certain kind of hit that is demeaning that you do to somebody who is, that you're saying is beneath you. In that movie, In the Heat of the Night, there's a scene where a white man slaps Sidney Poitier's character this way, hits him. It's exactly this scene, except that he doesn't turn the other cheek. He hits him back in the movie. It's a great scene in the movie. Sidney Poitier said, I'm not going to do that scene if I don't get to hit him back. But the movie, the point was it was very demeaning, okay? Uh, You could have probably acted it by turning the other cheek and just turning that other person, you know, showing that person their shame. And that's what it is, is that when somebody hits you that way, they're shaming you. And what Jesus is saying here is that that kind of slap, it demonstrates, you know, power. It demeans the other person. It's a slap of uh, humiliation. And it's a serious offense that offends the character. That's something that you would do. It's oppression. But when you turn that other cheek, what you're doing is you're saying, okay, do that again. I'm going to let you hit the other one. But what it does is it makes it impossible to hit the other one unless you hit him with a fist. If you can just kind of imagine that for a second. So you give them your left cheek. They can't hit you the same way with the back of their hand and their right hand. They would have to make a fist and hit you that way, which what it does culturally was it equalized you. It puts you on the same level. And this is something that Jesus is teaching. It's such a hard teaching. It's such a, a difficult thing. He's not teaching you to not hit back or defend yourself if you are physically attacked. He's talking about the relationship when somebody has authority over you or they're asserting some kind of um, being better than you uh, for one reason or another. Uh, it's very, very powerful. He counsels people to turn the other cheek because that action robs the striker of the power to humiliate, which is really what that's about. It's not really the kind of hit that's in about harming you or causing you injury. It's about humiliating you. And basically, turning the other cheek says, in your attempt to humiliate me, it's not going to work. I'm human just like you, and your status does not alter the fact that we're equal. See, all of us before the Lord were equal. We all fall short of the glory of God. And when our, our number one thing is to be concerned about people's souls. This is where Jesus is at. And I'm, I really want us to understand this with all the things that we talk about. You know, when we talk on the show about politics or other things like that, you know, it, it revs us up and we get into it. 
But what we really want to do, what we really want to make sure we're about as believers is saving that person's soul. A believer should never, ever say to somebody else, go to hell. It's not the Christian thing to say. Jesus, uh, he's going to say that at the judgment. He's the only one who gets to make that judgment. But to people who are just as evil as you and I who have accepted him, he's going to say, come on into heaven. And this should be what we're about. We should be about this in our politics. We should be about this when we're talking about coronavirus or schools or left and right. On our online especially, it's got to translate, my friends, into how we interact with people. And I promise you that the people in your relational world who are looking at you as somebody who goes to church, somebody who says that they're a Christian, this kind of thing matters tremendously. Uh, anyway, I hope that that is really helpful for you. It's a big, it's a big thing to talk about anger, and we deal with that in so many different ways. But as we move forward, as we talk about anything on this show, that's something that's on my heart for you. Uh, and for me as well, that we have to be concerned about each other's souls, including everybody who calls, including everybody who's a guest, including everybody who is a part of our ministry here. That's part of what Christian radio is about. It's about to say, you know, we can talk about the issues of the day, and we can bring in different sides and different opinions and, and have people call. But at the end of the day, what we're about is people coming to know Jesus Christ. And there are so many things that we do that clutter that up for some people, we got to try to push that aside as best we can and say, you know what, Jesus is the Savior because of all the fallenness that we see, because of all the creepiness in this world, because of all of the chaos that is around. That's why we need a Savior, and it's Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, if you're not sure who Jesus is, or you've just had a bad experience with Christians or with anything at all, uh, you know what, check in with me here. You can write me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'd love to share with you about who Jesus is. And that's a big part of us being a Christian family here. We have some different opinions and we get, uh, you know, riled up about some different things just like everybody else. But at the end of the day, there's something greater. And that is salvation through Jesus Christ, the Savior. That's what our program is about. That's what these stations are about. And I'm so glad that you're a part of it. And I'm glad to be a part of it with you. And I want to thank you for listening. And I look forward to being with you the rest of the week. Actually, I keep saying that, but I'm not here Friday. So I'll be here Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with you right here on Southern California Live. And I look forward to that, and that's something that we are about. Thank you for being part of our program today. The number, again, if you want to put it in your phone, is 888-528-2557. You can give a call any time later in the, uh, during the 3 to 5 hour for this program anywhere in Southern California. And the email address is SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I encourage you to go to KKLA.com to get podcast of this program. If you missed the hour, you want to hear it again, you can get it at KKLA.com or KPRZ.com if you're in San Diego. And also, whether you're in the Los Angeles area or San Diego area, go to those websites and check them out. There's a lot of great opportunity for getting together with other believers, uh, and so lots of help and lots of good stuff on there. God bless you. I'm Scott Furrow for Southern California Live. I'll see you tomorrow.